Hi there, I'm David Harvey, and I'm here with John Andrews, and this is the Two Techs Podcast. In this podcast, we're two friends in two different countries, here with you every two weeks talking about two different texts from the Bible. In this season, as we enter our second year of podcasting together, we step beyond the stories of Jesus in the Gospels and into the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is a series of stories and events from the early church when they encounter the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, David, I have to say I'm loving our slow pace through Acts. Just to give our listeners a little bit of an insight, I'm not sure we even anticipate it. We would be going as slow, but we are just... it. The, to, to coin your phrase, which I think you've, you've coined from Jennings, this disruptive presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes. He's been disrupting our, our plan and, and we're just, we're just slowing down a little bit. And even in our last podcast, we thought, oh, well, let's, let's deal with the response of the people in one podcast. And now we're rolling that into two because there was so much of a conversation in there. And it, again, it shows the richness of this. So we, we want to sort of think about the response of the people so that Peter calls this idea of repentance, be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins, mm-hmm. be filled with the Spirit. And then we get this really interesting moment from Luke where he gives us very accurately the amount of people who respond. Mm-hmm. In the context of this, he tells us that in terms of the response, 3,000 people mm-hmm. were added mm-hmm. to their number that day. Now, that seems like a bit of a random number, but of course, there, as we've tried to do constantly, when we hear little echoes and nuances yeah. in the text that flag something, we, we do tend to pause and sort of think, hold on a minute, I've come across 3,000 before in a particular scenario. Why 3,000? Is that just a number? Is that random? Or is there something else going on there? Forgive me, I can't think of what all the translations do, but... I actually think the word about is quite interesting there because at first glance, that could appear like Luke is being vague because he's saying, oh, it's about 3,000. But I think if you've got a sharp ear, I tempted to think that that is where the precision comes is his use of the word about because if you go way back into the scriptures, back into Exodus, there's this moment after the giving of the law in mm-hmm. Exodus 32, where the people basically fall apart as a result of Moses spending a bit long up in the mountain, don't they? And and there's a story there and, and the people, Moses breaks the tablets. There's all sorts of things that go on around that story. It, it's pretty intense, but one of the net results of it is that and it's a dark story but as a as a part of their idolatry you find the process that the priests of Israel essentially run this program wherein a number of Israelites die but if you go to Exodus chapter 32 verse 28 the number is really significant because it says the levites did as Moses commanded and that day about 3000 people died right? yeah. and so so i think that about 3,000 is really interesting because here we are. Let's go back to Acts. Let's hold our Old Testament, our New Testament together for a second. We've got the Pentecost festival. 
We've talked about this before, so you can listen to this in previous episodes. This is the Pentecost Fe- Festival is all linked to the giving of law, isn't it? It's all totally. it's all connected to this story in history about the, the giving of the law. What happened at the giving of the law? Well, the giving of the law actually coincides, as so often does in human lives, great works of God coincide with real embarrassing moments for us. In Israel's history, the giving of the law, the great work of God in that coincides with a a very huge moment of idolatry and and, and unfaithfulness to God, the Mm -hmm. net result of which about 3,000 people died. And I can't help but think that when Luke uses about 3,000, what appears to be an insertion of vagueness is actually an insertion of accuracy to point out that at the giving of the law, when about 3,000 people have died, now at the celebration of the law, when the Holy Spirit has come in and come into their hearts of the church, look at the restoring presence of God, that about 3,000 people were added back. Yeah. And, and I can't help but see Luke drawing some symmetry for us to say, Look at how God is restoring. Remember this whole sermon rooted in Joel 2, which is all about God bringing back mm. things which have been taken away. So, so I, just, I, think this, I think this is just one of those little neat moments of Luke's genius coming in there as to how he tells a story to say, hey, listen, 3,000 people joined the church that day, but I'm going to frame it in a particular way so that you see the story that's being told here. I mean, what do you think? Oh, I love it. I love it. And again, remember that the the Jewish audience reading or listening to the story eventually Mm. go 3,000. We know that. We know that number. And it draws an illusion. And if if you read back into verse 40 of Acts 2, there's another little interesting illusion where Peter says, it says, with many other words and encouragements, he exhorted them by saying, be saved from this perverse, this crooked generation. It's really, really interesting, of course. And you've alluded already to the fact that this 32 is not just famous for the giving of the law, but it's famous for or infamous for a a most incredible act of idolatry. Mm-hmm. crookedness and perverseness. They literally, I mean, Aaron probably comes out with one of the most incredibly funny and tragic leadership lines of all. When Moses comes down from the mountain, Aaron says, well, we we threw gold in and a calf came out. It's it's like it's a cracking. It's It's got to be one of the best excuses ever that someone's tried on at any time. We, we just threw our earrings and our rings in and boom, calf. There it is. And so we decided to worship it as if this calf produced itself. So you have this incredible paradoxical moment at the foot of Sinai where you have the giving of the law. And of course, we're not sure if by the time of Jesus that was a celebrated part of Shavuot or Mm. Pentecost or it's a slightly later development. But that's imagine it's there. Then you've got here the giving of the law being celebrated in part along with the harvest. The Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 people respond, Mm. or about 3,000. And the parallels to the giving of the law in Sinai and 3,000 people rejecting God's Mm. purpose and plan and therefore being destroyed is, is an unmissable coincidence. So at the very least, it's just a very interesting coincidence. At, mm. If more than that, there is something being said here in this gorgeous restorative idea that here mm. you have 
a, a beautiful moment of the Holy Spirit coming and there is something of a restoration of a people or individuals from their crookedness away from that crookedness and into the straightness of the way of Messiah. And yes. and and I think that is unmissable. I, mm. I think I would again we sometimes say I wouldn't necessarily build my house on that or I wouldn't want to fall mm. out with anybody on that, but like, it shouldn't be taken off the table. I think the three thousand nuance is definitely significant. I also just want to push that even a little further to to point out in the history of Israel you have a group of of, of exiled runaway slaves who have crossed the the Red Sea and escaped from Egypt. The giving of the law is, is a mark of, an, of a move into a new period of covenant with God, mm. right? So not quite once you were not a people and now you're a people at this point, but I think this is the moving from just being a big family to now they are a people. It's interesting that what Luke then does is follows on from this to describe the 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 beginnings of a community. So if, if I can read it for a second, what is the next response? Acts 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yeah. So you have a community. And, and again, if Luke is following a pattern, there is a pattern to see here that models the pattern of Israel. Completely. Completely, yes. At, at the foot of Sinai, a nation is being shaped around Torah that will give that nation definition, identity, in a sense, example, and as it were, set apartness, mm -hmm. a holy nation, royal priesthood. Those ideas are all being shaped at the foot of Sinai. That's why the idolatrous moment is a shocking moment, because yes. in the absence of Moses, the, the people quickly gravitate to something that they may not even have gravitated to in Egypt. And there's a call back to the purity of God at the center. And I think here at Pentecost, we've got the outpouring of the Spirit immediately, immediately located in the community. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Mm -hmm. So we, we move from this amazing missional demonstration of the power of the Spirit in these multiple languages that have the glory of the Lord being communicated to 15, 16, 17 language groups that are that are there on that amazing day. They're swept in, but it doesn't stop there. Immediately mm. we're moved to community. Yes. So this conversation starts in community. They were together in one place in one accord when the Holy Spirit comes. So the coming of the Spirit is located in community. But then the coming of that Spirit brings definition and, and power and direction and, mm. can I say, uniqueness to this community in the yes. same way that you have those nuances tracked at, at the law giving in Sinai. So there yeah. are undoubtedly parallels here totally. that this new community being formed by the power of the Spirit uh, on this day that signified the giving of the law or the harvest yeah. of, 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 of the people. So, so it's absolutely striking mm. That, yes. that we're now 
about to be led into what this new community looks like, the shape and identity of this community? I want to encourage anyone to look at it this way. One accord at the start, bigger community at the end, but still community. I think it's worth us trying as hard as we can to see what we see happen at the start of Acts 2, speaking tongues, sounds of wind, tongues of fire. We see that as a work of the Holy Spirit. And then what we see at the end of Acts 2, all who believed were together and had all things in common. I think we need to see that as a work of the Holy Spirit too. Both are equally a work of the Holy Spirit. And um, sometimes I think the bigger work of the Holy Spirit is not tongues of fire and speaking in languages never learned. The big unbelievable work of the Holy Spirit is that everybody shared everything they had and had everything in common. But too often we think that that's not the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a beautiful evidence of the what I'll quote as the supernatural impact of the Holy Spirit, but then, but then also the the impact of the Holy Spirit in the mundane of just look how these people treated each other. They were generous. They were glad. They had goodwill of all the people. Completely, completely. Just to jump into another parallel, then, John. I think it's worth having a, a contrast of of Luke chapter three and yeah. the end of Acts chapter two at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Because in Luke chapter 3, we bump into John the Baptist, don't we? And so so in Luke's first volume, he introduces us to John the Baptist. And, well, I mean, most people can probably remember John the Baptist's message. But but let me just remind you of John the Baptist's message. It's Luke chapter 3, verse 3. John went to all the region around the Jordan proclaiming, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what has what has Peter said to the people? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus so your sins may be forgiven, right? So, yep. so there's a little parallel there. Peter's not come up with a brand new message. He's now echoing the message from John that precedes. But what I started to notice, John, which I found like really exciting, because you know I get a little too enamored with, with a parallel. <laughs> notice also, how do, the, how do the crowd respond to John the Baptist's message? Luke yep. chapter 3, verse 10. What then should we do? <laughs> they say. How did the crowd respond to to Peter? What should we do? But here, more exciting, John. What look what John look what John says, and this is the bit that I don't hear paralleled so often. Look what John says. He says in reply, he said to them, yep. "Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise." Flip our Bibles back to Acts chapter two for a second. What then should we do? Repent, be baptized, forgiveness for sins, all the stuff we've seen. But look what they do. They sell possessions and distribute proceeds to any who had need. They they ate together with glad and generous hearts. Like I'm getting kind of excited at this point because then, you know, and he then then points out, don't extort people, John the Baptist says, don't make false accusations, right? And then it comes back to the question. So now Luke chapter 3, verse 15. So are you the Messiah, John? What does John reply? I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just think it's fascinating. Yes, yes. And, and I think there's very little to add to that, David. I think it's absolutely there. And again, you don't have to work hard at sort of seeing those parallels once you see them. And you go, yes. wow, there is a there is a similarity. And and of course, we have this lovely little idea in, in Acts 19 where Paul meets disciples of John mm, and they're mm. clearly living a life that's compatible or 
similar yes. to following the way, with the exception of engaging with Jesus. And Paul is the one who nudges yes. them over the line as far as the Jesus centricity of their journey is concerned, and then introduces them to the Holy Spirit. So, so I think I think John's message is a powerful, and he does prepare the way. He does set the tone. Mm. He does make it possible. And the elements that John is preaching are not random. They're, they're the core of the kingdom, which then are picked up by this, this community and taken forward. So there are these beautiful connecting points that are all going on here. And, and what, a, what a tremendous, as it were, honor to John it is when the, the, the church that he never got to see in the way that it now is practicing mm. and behaving. That, that that maybe the outpouring of the spirit that he didn't experience in the fullness that we're now seeing at Shova Auden Pentecost, mm. that actually there is a sense in which his work is not futile. His his work mm. contributes to all of that. And there's a gorgeous tip of the hat towards John, as it were. There's a gorgeous yes. affirmation of his work, having having seen him explicitly explained in Luke 3. We, we now see the sort of echo of that, the continuation of that in Acts chapter yeah. two. And I think it's absolutely there. And and it is interesting that Luke allows that to be picked up. He he allows those connecting thoughts to be to be mm. contained within this record, which is absolutely true and beautiful. And why I think that's interesting, John, for, for me is number one, I think there's a question if you're not reading the parallels of going, but why do the people do this? Right? What leads them to be like this? What I think we're now seeing is, oh, this is deeply rooted in the expectation of the Messiah's work that he will bring yes. about sharing, right? having things in common. I also think what, what you get in this is a lesson perhaps to us that, and a very common theme that I will go on and on about, that even our sharing and our, like I would describe this almost as as them doing the justice of the Lord, right? Micah calls us to do justice. There, later in Acts, we're going to find there was no poor amongst them. Like they, they have somehow eradicated poverty in their group. This is all part of working out the, I think the Old Testament prophets announcement yes. of what the day of the Lord will bring, which is justice for all. We can sometimes get into the habit of thinking, oh, well, we just have to work really hard at justice. Right. And here is another part of the text suggesting that this will actually be, I want to use the word fruit, but that might, that actually is probably going to be too obscuring. But, but although I think it might not be invalid, even of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, but it is a result of the Holy Spirit's impact in our life. What differentiates God's justice from general, general justice seeking is the Holy Spirit is driving this, is bringing harmony, is knocking down barriers. And I think that's, that's really significant for us, that, that it's not our effort once again. It's the Holy Spirit stirring something up in this community. And, and I think there's a beautiful, you, you referenced the fruit of the Spirit. I think there's a beautiful connection there to Paul. Paul mm -hmm. talks about this incredible new way that's found in faith in Jesus mm -hmm. in Galatians. And mm -hmm. But he also describes, you know, having shown that the law can't save and actually we 
can't, we don't have the power to keep the law. He then says, mm. he almost answers the question, well, okay, well, how are you going to keep the Torah of Jesus? How are you going to keep the mm. law of Jesus in Galatians? He says, well, well, we do that by the fruit of the Spirit. We do that by walking with the Spirit. We do that by staying in step with the Spirit. We do that by engaging with the Spirit. And again, We've probably been guilty over the years of taking the fruit of the spirit passage, lifting it out of its context and sort of doing a nine part series on these gorgeous flavors (laughs) of the fruit of the spirit. But remember those that passage of walking in the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit and the fruit of the spirit are absolutely located in Paul driving home an incredible message to a community that is being bewitched and Mm -hmm. and hassled by the. The, a theology that says you need Moses to come to Jesus. You need to go back before you go forward. You need the law before you have life. And Paul is mm-hmm. fighting for that freedom. Yeah. And he's saying, actually, the law couldn't save and you don't have the power to keep it. But yes. we have this spirit who forms Jesus, not only in me as an individual, but who forms Jesus in us as a community. And the whole of the language of Galatians 5 and 6 is community-orientated. It's about the life of the Spirit in the community, the life of the Spirit that is helping this community to flourish and to function. And again, one of the things that we've done, and I speak as a card-carrying Pentecostal, so I think I've got some traction to be able to say this without discerning (laughs) judgmental in any way, But as a card-carrying penty, we've sometimes reduced the experience of the Spirit to an individual idea. This Mm. is about me being filled with the Spirit so that I, John Andrews, can do what Jesus has called me to do. Now, do I believe that as a truth? I do, but it is not the whole truth. Because I need to be filled with the Spirit, not just so that John Andrews can do in terms of my own personal call and purpose, but so that we can do in community, we can do together. We can not only reach the world and export Jesus to the world, but we example Jesus to the world. Mm -hmm. We demonstrate what justice looks like by the way we treat each other. We demonstrate what generosity looks like by the fact that we look after the poor. We demonstrate what equality looks like because of the way we treat those that society would marginalize. And we are doing all of that by the word of the Lord, and by the power of the Spirit. And mm. that's why I would absolutely agree with you, David, that, that this this outpouring of the Spirit is not just the empowerment for mission and reaching the world, but it's the empowerment to build a dynamic alternative community, a community mm. that demonstrates the Torah of Jesus, that demonstrates the law of life in Christ Jesus through the power of the Spirit. And that's why I think these chapter two, it's all connected. And sometimes in my Bible, chapter two, verse 42 is is introduced by a heading and it yes. separates 242 from the rest of this text. And I go, why? Yes. Why are we doing that? We're creating an artificial division that does mm-hmm. not exist. And that causes me then to change gear thing. Okay, we're talking about something else now. No, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the same spirit who swept these 3,000 people in through Peter's sermon is now the same spirit helping these believers yes. to share what they have in common. It's the same idea and it must not be disconnected. They are congruent to the whole of his agenda. And, and that's what I find exciting, I think, about the little parallels between this passage in Acts 2 and Luke's introduction of us to John, because you start, it does just affirm exactly what you're saying. The, the, sometimes the translations put that new heading in, it breaks it off, 
But when you go to back to John the Baptist, you've got all of the same components, but they're they're muddled up in a slightly different order. So it's harder to break them off. But even we still do. If I if I said to, if if you did a pop quiz amongst most churches and just said, "Hey, what was John the Baptist's message?" I think yeah. most of us would go fire and brimstone, right? But here you have John the Baptist's message. Like if you have two quotes, give one away, and we go, "No, no, that was Jesus's message." It was also John the Baptist's message. And yeah. and actually, if you go back into the prophets, it was the message of God from from the beginning as to as to how do we be a blessing to the world and how do we do we move into that? And, and so I think you're absolutely right that we again we extract the Holy Spirit from the mundane and, and we and we we think the Holy Spirit's interested in in supernatural and salvation. And 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 I think it leaves us so often needing to ask the question, but so what should we do? <laughs> what do we do after that? Uh, and it fascinates me that Acts never gets stuck in that problem. You repent, you believe, you get baptized, you fill with the Holy Spirit, and you don't then sit and twiddle your thumbs and go, well, what's what's next? And, and going back to what we said in an earlier episode, sometimes I wonder if by stretching out that process of believing, being baptized, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives us something to do for a long period of time. Whereas what Luke seems to be suggesting to us is, no, we do all this at once because now there's other work for the Holy Spirit to do in us. And he's going to start sort of showing us what those things are as we progress our way through this incredible text of Acts. But So I, I, I love that notion that 2.42 is linked to 43, and it's showing us what the Holy Spirit could look like in our lives. Absolutely, 100%. And and it must be a warning to us, a, 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 an important warning that the Holy Spirit is is not to fall. He, he, we mustn't allow him to fall into the category of an, of an individualistic approach to our understanding of faith. The Holy Spirit hasn't just come for me. The Holy Spirit has come for us. My spirituality is not just about me. My spirituality is about us. Now, I, I think the Bible celebrates individuality like no other book on the planet. That would be my position. But the Bible also resists individualism. An individuality that says, I am special, I am unique. Absolutely, we say amen to that. But an individualism that says, I am enough, I think the biblical text pushes back against. And, yes. and we... The whole of the book of Acts is located in the context of community. And I think we have to see the work of the Spirit in his fullness in the context mm -hmm. of community. Mission, yes. Personal empowerment, yes. Community living, yes. And bringing all of that together, I think, makes a dynamically different reading of the text. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with either of us about something we said, you can reach out to us on podcast at twotexts.com or by liking and following the Two Text Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you really did enjoy the episode, then we'd love it if you left a review or a comment where you're listening from. And if you really enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? Don't forget that you can listen to all of our podcasts from this season and others at www.2text.com. But that is it for now. So until next time, goodbye.